Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. I want to just call attention to all of the men and women who've given their lives, paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. This weekend, we turned it into a holiday. And uh, it was, you know, Memorial Day was initially um, created to allow people an opportunity to go and decorate the graves of those, of those who have fallen in battle, who've given their lives for our country. That was what it was originally designed for. We've turned it into picnics and parades and those kind of things, which is okay. And we should commemorate and, and remember those um, folks who have, have given their lives. And if you're here this morning and you have someone in your family who's given their life in the line of duty, we want to say thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you've paid as well as a family. For anyone on Facebook, if you're watching this morning, we want to say thank you to you and to your families and to all those who serve. And maybe we have some servicemen and women who are watching this morning. We want to say thank you, a great big thank you for your service. And if you're um, in the military, if you served in the military again, we thank you that you're willing to go be willing to lay down your life for our country. It's, it's, it's uh, something that we cannot take for granted. But you know, there's something else that we cannot forget this morning. And, and we have communion uh, prepared this morning for uh, the end of the service. We're going to wait till the end of the service and do it. But the title of my message this morning is Don't Forget the Sacrifice. Don't forget the sacrifice. Don't forget the sacrifice that others have paid so that we can be free. We're a free nation this morning because of men and women who've given their lives. We're free because our ancestors thought that, that freedom was worth the risk of, of sailing across the Atlantic Ocean to America in order to obtain a, a, a land that we could settle in and, and be free to worship God as we choose. And that was the very foundation that we were built upon, was this nation was built upon the principles of faith and belief in God and having the freedom to worship God as we choose, not as we're dictated. And I'm thankful that we have that opportunity to come in this house this morning and worship the Lord. We can lift our hands. We can freely express ourselves to God. And we don't tell, have, have a written agenda as how to do it, except in the Word of God, of course, which we gratefully follow. So I, I wanted to, to read a passage of Scripture, and it's out of Hebrews chapter 2. And... Um, Paul was writing to the Hebrews. I believe it was Paul. There's some debate about who wrote the book of Hebrews. But uh, there's, there are several verses in there that make it apparent to me that it was Paul. Of course, that's to be argued. But uh, one, one day when we get to heaven, I'll ask who wrote it. I might be surprised. It could be Priscilla. It could be Apollos. I don't know. I just know it's an interesting book that was written to the Hebrews. And it was dealing with Jesus and who he was as son of God and, and how he had laid down his life. But, but here, I want, I want you to listen to this truth. In Hebrews chapter 2, I'm going to read that whole chapter. It's 18 verses long, so listen to it. And this is out of, out of the New Living Translation. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it, or in other words, have a tendency to forget it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was always punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was announced by the Lord Jesus himself? 
and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever, whenever he chose. And furthermore, it's not the angels who will control the future world we're talking about. For in one place the scriptures say, What are mere mortals that you should think about them? For the Son of Man that you should care for him. Yet you made him lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor, but you gave him authority over all things. What we do see is Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was chose or everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory, and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. For he said to them, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will proclaim you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to made, be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be merciful. He could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Isn't that good? This is the ultimate sacrifice that was paid for us. God sent his son, born of a woman, conceived in flesh. He lived among us. He walked among us. He showed us the Father. He showed us the love of the Father. And furthermore, he paid the ultimate price that had to be paid in order that you and I could be free. Now, sometimes we have a tendency to forget the gravity of, of, of what God has done through Jesus. Sometimes we take lightly the things Christ did for us, how he suffered, how he died, how he gave his life on a cross for us. And, and we, we have a tendency to want to cheapen that. How do we cheapen it? How do we make it less valuable? Because we don't value what he's done for us. You know, God has done so much for us. And, and for us to have the audacity in ourselves to even question God and question what he has done for us, question his love for us, it is unthinkable. I can't even comprehend it. Yet I did it. I did it. Until I came to my senses, like, like uh, Jeremy was talking about the prodigal son, how he was away from the father. He took everything the father had given him, and he went and he squandered it all. Everybody say all. He squandered it all. He had nothing left to bring back to the father. He was willing to come back to the Father and serve Him as a servant. 
And that's the way we feel when we come to the Lord. I remember when I came to Jesus, all I wanted was to have the opportunity to go to heaven. That was enough for me. I didn't care if I had to live in a cabin in the corner of glory. That was okay. But that's not what God had designed for me. He doesn't have, nowhere do I read in the Bible that he has any cabins in glory. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. That's what Jesus did for us. That was what he paid for. And for us to look at it in another other way, we cheapen what he's done for us. And for us not to accept all the things that God has for us. Eye has not seen, near has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but he has revealed it to us by his Spirit. When God has revealed something to us by his Spirit, we need to take hold of it. We need to grasp it. We need to claim it. We need to own it, right? Now, if you want to go through life being poor and broke and sick and everything else, have at it. That's your choice. But you are not taking what God has provided for you. You're leaving it on the table. I mean, how many of you, hardworking mothers and dads, you work hard, you, you, you wrap up Christmas presents, and you give them to your children and your grandchildren, and if they take them and they don't value them, you, leave, you see them leave and laying around when they've left and everything, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel pretty bad, doesn't it? They didn't appreciate what you've done for them. And that's the same way we treat God. We don't appreciate what he's done for us because we won't receive what he's done. He's given us peace. Not like the world gives. He's given us peace. And what is peace? Y'all know what peace is, don't you? Irony at one with. We have peace with ourselves. We're at one with ourselves. We, we realize who we are in Christ. We, we come into that place where we realize we're valuable to God. God loves us. We accept who we are. God created you. Nobody else did. You were intricately created by God. He, he before you were even formed in the womb, he knew you. He knew you before the foundation of the earth. And when he created you, he had a specific design for you. Your gene, he is the, the, the beginning. When we see that word gene, that is the basis of the word Genesis, which means beginning. So each one of us have a gene. We have a genetic makeup. We have a, a, a something that God created, and each one of us are unique. Each one of us. And you know, even, even our ancestry now, you can go to Ancestry.com and you can send a, a sample of your DNA and they can trace back where you came from. And they can trace mine all the way back to Adam. It's amazing, isn't it? I knew that already. But they can. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But it kind of goes through different directions to get there, you know. My family tree goes all over the place. You know, I got a little bit of everything in me. People ask me all the time, what what what, uh, what nationality are you? Just name one. I'm probably that. I mean, it's funny. I can go just about any country and fit in. I was on the plane going to Russia several years ago. We we're on the plane, and 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 I'm standing next to this woman, and she starts speaking to me in Russian, and I and I'm like, ¿me comprende? <laughs> <coughs> 
And she could fortunately speak a little bit of English. She says, are you Russian? I said, no, 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 no Russian, no, American. And then my wife and I were in, were in uh, St. Thomas one year. We were coming back from a vacation we had down in the Caribbean. We stopped in St. Thomas to catch our plane back. So we went to this jewelry store. We in there. We walk in, and this woman starts speaking Spanish to us. We'd both been on a boat all week, so we were dark and tanned. And she starts speaking Spanish to us, and we're like, uh, uh, no Espanol? Oh, I thought you were Spanish. No, we're not Spanish. We're American. Oh, okay. So you know what I'm saying. It, it just, but, but there's something about me, though, that is I'm unique to anyone else. I'm not like anyone else. Everybody say, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm one of a kind. I am me. There's no other. But you know the same thing is said about God. He is God and there is no other. But what I'm saying is that God designed me with unique gifts, abilities. He, he, he has a unique destiny for me that no one else can fit that destiny. And if I don't fulfill the destiny that God has for me, there's a part of the kingdom that is not being done. Now, God can get someone else to do it. But he didn't choose someone else to do it. He chose me to do it. And the same is said about you. You have your place in the kingdom. You have your place in the body of Christ. And don't forget the sacrifice that provided that for you. I think about Jesus when he's hanging on the cross. And there are two thieves, one on one side and one on the other. And there's a conversation going on, and, and they're saying, and, and there are people on the ground, and they're, they're having this conversation around Jesus. Is he the Son of God? If you're the Son of God, come down from there. If you're the Son of God, prophesy. If you're the Son of God, and they're questioning him. And one of the thieves looks at him and says, if you truly are the Son of God, get us out of here. And the other thief is hanging on the other side says, surely this is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. He said, would you do me a favor? Would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, surely this day you will be with me in paradise. You see, he remembered. He accepted what Jesus did for him. And Jesus will remember him. And Jesus says of us, if we know him now, he will remember us when we stand before the judgment seat. But if we don't know him now, he will not remember us because he will say, you will say to him, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not do all these wonderful things in your name? And Jesus will say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I don't know you. But for those of us, who accept his sacrifice for those of us who will look to him for salvation and realize that he is the only soter, he is the only one who can deliver us, that salvation cannot be bought through anything else. It cannot be obtained through anything else. There is only one deliverer, and it is Jesus Christ. And when we remember that and we accept that, he will remember us when we stand before the Father on Judgment Day. Otherwise, he won't remember but do we remember? Do we remember the price, the cost? When we're singing that song, he made me worthy. He made me worthy. I remember one day Katie Kuntz visited with us over at, uh, over at Livingstone College when we were meeting there. And that morning I made a comment about how Jesus 
paid the ultimate price for us. He saw us worthy. And how so many people, even Christians, have this idea that we are worthless, that we have no value to God, that we're just this lowly worm. Nowhere in the Scripture will you find that. It's written in a song, a worm such as I. And we grab a hold of some cheap little word like that, a little passage, and maybe we, are, we come to him and we are lowly and we, are, we have to humble ourselves in order for him to exalt us. But when we do, God exalts us to a place where we become sons of his. That's what he does for us. We're no longer worthless. We're valuable. And the fact that we're valuable even before we come to him because he died for us before we even knew him, before we even thought of him, he thought of us. For God commended his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He saw us as being valuable. He saw us as being worth something. Sure, we all squandered it away. But when we came to our senses and we came to him, what did the Father do? He runs to us. He wraps his arms around us. He loves us. He, he restores us because he's already paid the price for our salvation. He's already paid the penalty for our sins. Do we remember? Do we remember the sacrifice? There are reminders all around us of the ultimate sacrifice that has been paid And I look at you, and I see how valuable you are. I see worth. I see worth in this place. Man, there's so much treasure here. You are a treasure in earthen vessels. The value that God has placed upon you. <laughs> there's no price that you can put on it. God literally bankrupted heaven to purchase our salvation. I want to just make this statement to you this morning. When I was living in sin before I came to Christ, others tried to scare me into the kingdom and it almost worked. I mean, y'all probably heard the story. I, I told it several times, but I'll just, just, just in case you haven't, I'll tell it again because it's a cool story. When I was a little boy, I was maybe five in the fifth or sixth grade or something like that. No one couldn't have been that old because I was probably in the third or fourth grade. But I'd played hard all day. I went, out, went home with a friend and I came back to church that evening and, and uh, I was so tired and we sat down and, and, and the old church we were in had these theater style seats in it. So I'm kicked back in one of those theater style seats and the preacher's preaching and I hear him preaching. The last thing I hear him saying is, if you don't know Jesus, you'll die and you'll go to hell. And if you're in hell, it'll be dark and you'll be scared and you'll be alone. That's the last thing I heard. Next thing I know, I wake up and it's dark. And I'm alone. And I'm scared. Because mom and daddy left me. I was asleep. You have to understand, I got 10 brothers and sisters. And we all drove to church in a 1950 Chevrolet with bench seats. And sometimes we stuffed people in the trunk, and we even had brothers and sisters, uh, brothers that rode on the hood a few times to get to church. We have carried as many as 18 people in that 1950 Chevrolet. And that's not a stretch. I mean, you figure if we just bring several friends, that does it. 
And that car was packed. I mean, we were like three deep in the back seat when we drove to church. So I can, you know, we're going home. And, and so mom and dad, they, they got in the car and they started home. Well, I woke up and it's dark and I'm alone and I'm scared and I'm thinking I'm in hell. <laughs> Except it, wasn't, it was hot because it was hot outside. So the first thing I did is I, I ran to the light switch and I turned it on. Oh, thank God the light came on. So that tells me I'm not in hell, but I still had the way to go because it was about a mile to the nearest house. And so I remember running out the door and running as fast as I can. The roadrunner had nothing on me. I probably looked like a little cloud of dust going up the road. And I ran up to this neighbor's house, and when I got there, I knocked on the door, and they came to the door, and the dad was standing in his T-shirt on the phone, and he turned and looked at me. He said, he just came to the door. I knew he must have been talking to my dad. But they had stopped on the way home at a store about halfway down the mountain, and, and they realized, they started doing a head count, and they realized I wasn't there. But what I'm saying is, I heard that message over and over again. And so many times I would go, and I would, I would bow, to, bow my knee at the altar because I was scared. I didn't want to go to hell. I was scared. But, but you know, I couldn't. It wasn't enough a deterrent to keep me living the kind of life that God wanted me to live. I mean, a couple of days later, I'd forget about it, and everything would be cool, you know. Well, surely he's not going to come today, so I might can get by with a little sinning now. You know how it works. But things changed in 1975 when I got a revelation of the love of God and the sacrifice he paid for me. When I realized that the reason that Jesus died wasn't because of his sin. It wasn't because of anything he did. Because I was really wrestling with that. I was searching the scriptures because I could not understand why Jesus had to be crucified. Why did they crucify such a good man? And I was really looking in the scriptures and trying to decide, why did they kill him? He was so good. But one night, God gave me the revelation of it. The reason he did, it wasn't that they killed him. He laid down his life. He willingly offered himself as a sacrifice in my place, in your place. That's what he did. He gave his life for mine. He took a beating that I deserved. He took a whipping that I deserved. And, 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 and furthermore, he took extra stripes for my healing so I could be healed and I could be made whole. I cannot forget the sacrifice that he offered up for us. Why did he do it? Simply because he loves us. And, and he loves us and, and so much that he's given us the opportunity and he's given us the ability to become his children. When we're born again, born of the Spirit, we're born into a new relationship with him where we become children of God. Think about that. We have interest into his divine kingdom. Thank you. It's what God has done for us. John 1, 11 and 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Everybody say the Right. You know, in this country, we talk about rights a lot, don't we? Well, you have divine rights. You have divine rights that God has given to you. You have the right to become a son of God. How do we do that? Well, when you're born into this kingdom, you're a son of Adam. It's through genetics from the beginning, Adam. But when you're born of Adam, you're born in sin. 
Each one of us were conceived in sin. David recognized in Psalm 51, it says, I was conceived in iniquity. He realized that, that no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't be the righteous and just man that he truly wanted to be. His heart was after God. The Bible says that he had a heart after God, and yet David failed. Why? Because he was shaped in iniquity. He was conceived in sin. Each one of us are. We all have that in common, don't we? We all were born into sin. And because of that, we were condemned to die. Because the soul that sinneth shall surely die. We have no choice in it. We are going to die. Everybody say we're going to die. You know, there was a recent survey done. And 100%, one out of one people die. It's true. It's appointed unto man wants to die. And one out of one people will be judged after this, the judgment. Each one of us is going to stand before God and we're going to be judged not on the basis of our goodness or our badness. Thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm so happy about that because I've done a lot of bad things. If I were judged for them, it'd be curtains for me, dude. But I won't be judged for that. What I will be judged upon is did I accept his blood as a covering for my sin? Did I remember the sacrifice? Did I remember what he did for me? Was I thankful? Did I receive it? Did I believe it? Did I accept it? And the answer is yes. Yes. And because of that, there's no fear of dying. I don't have that fear anymore. I used to lay down at night, and I would, I would pray at night, God, don't let me die tonight, because I knew I was in sin. I was... I was not ready. I didn't want to die. But you know what? I can lay down now, and it really doesn't matter. Because if he's finished with me, if he's finished with this house and all this house can do, then I'm ready to go. It, it doesn't matter. I prayed, and I've asked God. I said, Lord, I want you to use me until I'm used up, until till I'm, I'm done until I've finished my course, until I've done all that you want me to do and I've fulfilled my destiny. I want to be like David. David, it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 37, and, and David fulfilled his destiny for his time. He fulfilled his purpose in his generation, and he died. That's all you can ask for, isn't it? We fulfill our purpose in our generation, and then we die. That's what I want. Until God is finished with me, I don't want to go. But when I'm finished, when he's done with me, I'm ready to go home. I don't want to be stowed away in a, a nursing home somewhere. But I, I, I want God to, to, but, you know, I'll, I'll accept whatever God has for me. But here's some things that Jesus did through his sacrifice. Number one, he became a man. He became one of us so we could become like him. He became a man so we could, be, we could become sons of God. John 1, 11 and 12. He became poor so that we could become rich. It says, you know, the, gener the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor that by his poverty he could make you rich. Hallelujah. He became a substitute for us. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, ye are healed. He did all of that for you. He became our substitute. These are the things that his sacrifice did for us. 
I like what it says in the New Living Translation. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. He paid the ultimate sacrifice, and we can never, ever forget it. How can we afford to neglect the salvation he paid such a great price to obtain for us? You know, sometimes we live our lives and we forget. We need to remind ourselves daily what God has done for us. That's why it's important that we get up every morning and, and we, we turn to the bread of life and we look into the bread of life and we, we eat that new manna every day that reminds us of who we are in Christ and who God is in us. That is Christ in you that's the hope of glory. That's what he's done for us. Well, he, he is, he's paid the sacrifice for that and we receive it gladly. We receive it with, with thanksgiving. Today, we're going to be receiving communion. We're going to transition into a time of remembrance. And communion is a memorial. This is Memorial Day, Memorial Weekend. Communion is a, a memorial to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a time when we remember and, and reflect on the price he paid at Calvary and his atoning work on the cross. He provided an atonement at one mint. He made us one with the Father. He made us at peace with God. Well, when we have peace with God, we're peaceful with everything else, right? Because when we have that peace with God, we have peace within us. We're at peace with ourselves. And because we have the peace of God within us, it puts us at peace with everyone around us. And he is our peace that has broken down every wall. We have the peace that one meant with God, at one meant with each other. That's what Jesus has provided for us because he laid down his life. And he was pouring his life into us as he was receiving that beating, as he was absorbing the punishment that was meant for us, and his flesh was being, be, being torn by that cat of nine tails, and he received those 39 stripes, he was providing healing for all of our diseases. Everybody say all. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 33, 10 verses. I want you to listen carefully. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. I want our ushers to come now and, and get everything ready for communion. In verse 25, it says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup, is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. What does it say? Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So everyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, what does that mean to do it unworthily? It is not to recognize what God has done. It's not to accept by faith what Jesus has done. What does his body and what does his blood do for us? His blood was poured out to ratify a covenant that he had made between you and I. When Jesus went to the cross, he poured out his blood for us. 
The innocent for the guilty. The innocent for the vile and the sinner, the sinless one. And he was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus did. And today we remember. I love communion. I love those, that time when we gather together as a family and we remember We commemorate what Jesus has done for us. And he said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. But do it worthily. Do it in faith. Do it in believing and understanding. You see, when we eat that bread, we're taking the healing elements, the beaten body of Jesus that was striped for us. I love it in the Jewish community. They use matzah bread. The matzo bread is, is striped and it's pierced. Not by coincidence, mind you. But our Jesus was striped and he was pierced. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. He took the beating that you and I deserve. How can we not remember what Jesus has done? And then he took the cup. This cup ratifies. This is my blood of the covenant. It's poured out for you. He poured out his life. He gave his life to establish a covenant with us. Now, what is a covenant? The covenant goes two ways. When a man and a wife stand before a minister and they look into each other's eyes and they make promises one to another, they're making a covenant of marriage. So Jesus says, I poured out my blood. I gave my body for you. Your part is to receive it. Your part is to remember it. Your part is to eat it. Your part is to drink it. Because Jesus said, if you don't eat my body, and if you don't drink my blood, you have no part in me. So when we eat it and we drink it, we remember by faith. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself, not of works, that not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by grace. What is grace? It is a gift that God has poured out that we don't deserve. Grace. His mercy, his love poured out for us. So let everyone who drinks this eats this bread or drinks this cup unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So right now, we're just going to take a moment to examine ourselves. Right now, I want you to just introspectively look at your own heart and your relationship with God, have you accepted what Jesus did for you? If not, you can right now, right where you sit. You can say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins, that he was buried in a grave, and on the third day he arose. And he is victor 
over death, hell, and the grave. And I receive that by faith. I receive my salvation because he is my Savior. I choose to make him the Lord of my life. And I'm going to eat of his body. And I'm going to receive the blood that washes my sins away, that makes me whole, that makes me clean before him. It makes me righteous in the eyes of my Father. Thank you, Lord. So examine yourselves. If you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And that is why many of you are sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So let us remember what God has done for us through Christ. And let us remember all that Christ has done for us through the sacrifice out of his own blood and his own body. I'd like for our ushers to dispense the communion elements and while they're coming to you with the elements can we just bow our heads and just keep your eyes open if you want because we're going to be passing out the communion elements I don't want you to miss that don't want you to try to do it with your eyes closed that'd be bad but just in your own way right now we're just going to pray we're going to pray and we're going to prepare our hearts for communion this morning Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you that you saw worth in us. You saw so much value in us that you were willing to allow your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to come. For you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son that if we would believe in him, whoever would believe in him, would not have to perish, but could have everlasting life. We thank you, Father, that you didn't send your Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be made whole. The world might be sozo. The world might have wholeness, healed, delivered, set free from the bondage of fear because of what Jesus has done for us. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. just thinking about the words of that song we sang this morning. Oh, the riches of your love, that you have made me a wealthy, wealthy son. That's what Jesus has done for us. When we think about the richness of his grace and we think about the richness of his goodness and all that God has done for us, 
and what salvation entails. That word sozo. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be sozoed. That word means healed, delivered, made whole. That's what Jesus came to do. Not just to save us from our sins, but to restore us. Spirit, soul, and body. And when we think of our soul, we think of our emotions. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You see, God knows all that we've done. He knows our past. And the devil, who is the accuser of the brethren, that's what Satanus or Satan means, accuser of the brethren, that's what he does. That's his occupation, is accuser. And he always stands to try to accuse you and remind you of your past. And most of us have a tendency to remember that. But this morning I want you to remember one thing and one thing only. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us of all sin. For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all, everybody say all, all unrighteousness. So when God says that we're cleansed of all of our unrighteousness, it means all of our unrighteous deeds that we have ever done don't count. All it counts is that we remember. We remember what Jesus has done for us. We value what he has done for us. We accept what he has done for us. And we leave nothing on the table that we devour it, that we eat it. Eat it. Take this and eat it. And as often as you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. That's what it means. It means to become flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. To become like him. To become his son. To become his child. To become a son and, and a brother of Jesus. Well, Jesus is my brother. That's what he said in Hebrews chapter 2, did he not? God is our father. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit with us because Jesus didn't leave us as orphans. And some of us have an orphan mentality. You know what an orphan mentality is, don't you? An orphan mentality is making you, thinking that you're poor when, in, when you, in reality you're rich. That you have no father when in reality you do. That you're alone when in reality you're not. And that orphan mentality will keep us in our stinking thinking, thinking that God really doesn't care when he does. I mean, how much more does he have to do to show you how much he cares? I don't get it. We see what Jesus has done for us and we remember it. And that's why Jesus said, do this often. And as often as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. One of my friends used to have communion every morning by himself. Not by himself because the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit were always present with him. But he would have communion every day. And he had myomacular degeneration. Anybody know what that is? 
He was, he was blind. His sight had degenerated till he could not see anymore. I mean, he could only see, you know, certain things. He couldn't see directly in front of us, only images from the side. But he started believing God, and every day he would have communion by himself. And as he was having communion, he would, he would thank God for what Jesus did, the stripes he bore, and how he provided for his healing. And as he was partaking together of himself with that, with that bread and, and that wine, of course, grape juice or bread or whatever he's using, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, by faith, he was receiving what Jesus had done. And you know what happened? That man's sight was restored. He actually got his driver's license back. They'd been taken away. There's something about believing God. There's something about faith. I got another letter this week. Last Saturday, I had, a, I had to go get a procedure done. I had to go get a screening. What they did is they did a sonogram of my liver and kidneys and all that stuff. I got the letter back this week and said, everything's clear. Everything looks good. I wasn't expecting anything less. Because God is God. And he provided it for me. And if he provided it for me, I'm going to receive it. How about you? Do you remember what Jesus has done for you? If you're sick this morning in your body, if you have ailments in your body, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, the Bible doesn't say that God will heal cancer, but he won't heal tuberculosis. It doesn't say that God will heal brain problems and he won't heal your feet. It doesn't say. It just says that he will heal. Because not that he will heal, but that he has already healed. Will you dare to believe what God has already done? Will you remember the finished work of the cross? If so, would you just take that, that bread and hold it up? And let's thank the Lord. Thank God for his healing. Thank God for the beating he took for you. Thank God. Remember what he has done for you. Lord, we remember we look into your word and we remember, we see what you did for us, how you went all the way to Calvary, even though, Lord, you said, if there's another way to let it be done, then, Father, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. You knew that there was no other way to do it, and you went all the way to the cross. You bore every infirmity that we could ever imagine. You suffered every pain that we could ever feel. You did it all. And we have not a high priest who's not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We have one who's been tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. And Lord, that gives us confidence. That gives us boldness that we can come into your very presence. And when we do, we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We thank you, Jesus. We remember Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Let's break this and eat it together. Mm. You know, there's something about wine, the fruit of the vine. It can't be produced without the crushing of the grape.
But what comes out? The fruit. There's a healing virtue in it. Paul told Timothy, he says, no longer drink only water, but a little wine for thy stomach's sake. Because he realized the healing value in the fruit of the vine. But there's something more important there. And when we drink this cup, Jesus used the fruit of the vine to illustrate his life that was being poured out on the cross. The crushing of his body and the piercing that would bring forth the blood and the cleansing, the water that flowed from his side. Jesus, you illustrated that to us with the cup when you said this is the cup and it represents this cup represents the covenant that I've established with you. Take it and drink it. And as often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us. We thank you, Lord, that it washed away all of our sins. That who himself, you, Jesus, bore our sins in your own body on that tree that we being dead to sins might live righteously. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's drink it together. Thank you, Jesus. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. We remember, we remember, stand to your feet and give him some praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. We remember. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.